Welcome to Football Never Sleeps, the aspiring to be viral Notre Dame football YouTube show brought to you by the crew at InsideNDSports.com. Actually, Charleston Bowles, who's not on the show, he's a very important part of this, but he's off doing recruiting stuff. He's Tyler James. I'm Eric Hansen, and we're here to talk about Notre Dame and Tennessee State. Do a little wrap-up of uh, the Notre Dame-Navy game, 42-3 to in Dublin, Ireland, and get you caught up on what Marcus Freeman had to say today at his press conference and give you our takes. We're also here to tell you that this is the last day of the Rival subscription special. We had one of our own earlier. That we have a chain-wide one now. Uh, and it's 40% off, so a whole year of Inside ND Sports and premium content of all the other sites for $39.99. Uh, Tyler will kind of get you up to date on how to do that, how to ask questions, because we'll take your questions during the show. And I'm going to hand it over to him and see if I didn't fumble like Audric Estime did. <laughs> you did not. So I will not make you sit out for the next uh, 30 minutes of the, of the video. Um, yeah. So like Eric mentioned, the 60% off sale is expiring today. So if you have not yet subscribed to our InsideNDSports.com website to get premium account access to our in, the Insider Lounge message board, um, our, all the recruiting coverage we do, the analysis that we keep behind a paywall, um, you can get it now for less than $40 for an entire year. Um, so make sure you take advantage of that. I've included the information in the description of this video, so you can find it there. It's all over our homepage. It's on our Twitter accounts. You can find the right link there. The, the promo code is kickoff2023, um, and you should be able to take advantage of that. Hopefully you will uh, if you haven't already, and obviously we appreciate those who have already taken advantage of our previous yeah. subscription deals because we have seen – uh, our subscribers numbers on the rise significantly so we really appreciate those um, we'd like to keep our subscriber numbers here on youtube increasing too so if you are not a subscriber to the youtube channel make sure you do that that is free um you don't have to pay anything for that it's just a click um you'll get reminders about upcoming shows um you should have got a, a little bit of a sense of what our weekly youtube production will look like um throughout the season uh, last week because every monday night we'll be live with one ever sleeps um, but leading into a game, we will have our Place Your Bets show, um, which is Eric and I giving predictions um, with some prop bets for the upcoming game, and that will be on Fridays. Um, and then we'll do a post-game show of some 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 kind. Uh, we did, I think it was about 10 minutes of it the other day, um, late, early in, early Sunday morning, Dublin time, uh, before I was heading out for my flight. Um, and so we'll try to get to you guys that after the games, whether it's late Saturday night or early Sunday morning. Um, we'll make sure that you guys have that video content to hear us ch chatting about the game. And so you don't have to wait till to Monday to hear, hear us talking a little bit more about it. So um, like Eric mentioned, please submit questions during the show. We love to hear from you guys, what you guys want to discuss. Also, if you're just here to watch and you don't have a question, feel free to comment and say hello. We like seeing which names are in the chat and saying hello to you guys as well. Um, we appreciate that. Um, if you are new to YouTube interactions, uh, on a desktop version, make sure you're on the YouTube site or in a YouTube app, because if you're not, you won't be able to submit comments in the chat. Um, but if you're on a desktop, you should be able to comment on the right-hand side. Um, if you are on a mobile device, it should be below us um, talking. So hopefully you can find that. If you can't, send me an email, and I will get you set up in the future. Um, but we will get that um, rolling because we already have some questions. But I know, Eric, we have some things we want to talk about. 
based off of the comments from Marcus Freeman today at his Monday press conference. Right. So Notre Dame is still ranked 13th. There weren't new polls this week because there were only seven games last week. The next polls will come out on Tuesday after Labor Day. And uh, so Notre Dame is 13th ranked. They play Tennessee State on Saturday at Notre Dame Stadium, 3.30 Eastern time. I think the early forecasts call for a high of 90 that day. Um, And uh, this is the first FCS and the first HBCU Notre Dame has ever played. Um, And Eddie George is the coach of Tennessee State. And so uh, today was today's press conference. There were the theme to me was a lot about adjustments, adjusting back coming from Ireland, but a lot of other adjustments. And we're going to start with the newsiest one of all of them. Notre Dame playing the next couple days without Gabe Rubio. Tyler, fill us in on what happened to Gabe Rubio in the Navy game and where Notre Dame goes from here. Yeah, Gabe Rubio suffered a knee injury of some sort. Marcus Freeman wasn't specific. Um, and he said he'd be out a couple weeks. Um, I, I, w- I would like to nail him down a little bit further on that because um, he said he had to fix some things in his knee, which makes it seem like surgery would be needed. Um, so if he has had surgery, just like two weeks seems like a really short recovery if we're talking couple in a literal term. Um, so I, I would imagine he might be out a little bit longer than that. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see what sort of information we can get in the coming days about what the knee injury is and what that recovery looks like for Gabriel Rubio. Um, but that certainly is a, an important loss because we saw him as one of the guys that was really stepping up for Notre Dame um, in the preseason and played played quite a bit in the, in the interior as sort of a backup nose tackle behind um, Howard Cross the third. I think what we see moving forward is probably Jason Anye maybe sliding into nose tackle a little bit more. At least this is my my hunch is that we'll see him there and then see Kurt Heinish or not Kurt Heinish, Donovan Heinish uh, playing the the three technique, the defensive tackle position. I think that Donovan probably isn't stout enough to play the nose tackle position as much as Jason Anya would be at this point. But maybe but maybe they have seen enough from him. Um, I do think Heinish will be the one who will benefit from the more snaps right away. Um, I'm just not exactly certain how they will will sort of split those reps up. They do like to mix and match those guys, have some some flexibility where they can go go either inside or outside when they get those number twos out there. So well, maybe maybe that'll sort of continue and not change much from what we saw previously. I would I'll be I'd be curious to see if it bumps anyone else up if Aiden uh, Keana Ina uh, is able to get some reps in there at the nose tackle position and then maybe even freshman Devin Houston. Um, he certainly showed his moves uh, in Ireland last week. I don't know if anyone saw the the video that Notre Dame football posted on his Twitter account. It was a video of Devin Houston who actually spent a lot of time as a dancer growing up uh, doing doing an Irish jig of sorts um, and including the splits, which was quite pretty impressive. But it, it, to be clear, it was tweeted as like a celebratory thing, but it didn't happen after the game. It was actually earlier in the week at a get-together for the team. Um, but it was definitely an entertaining video, and the, the team was pretty pumped up about the way he was dancing. So maybe maybe he can get the team pumped up with some play if he's given an opportunity. But I think that's what it will look like in the absence of Gabriel Rubio. What are your thoughts, Eric? How, how big of a loss is this? Well, Gabe was playing really well, and I think certainly this week, you know, I don't know that they're going to miss him a lot. But Right. I think NC State maybe, and you know, as you get into Ohio State at the end, 
toward the end of the month of September, you know, that could loom large in a game like that. You're right. Aiden Kiana Aina, it'd be interesting to see if Notre Dame promotes him. He, at least when we still were at the practices, he did not get sent down to scout team. Now that could vary from week to week. The other possibility is if Donovan Heinish is promoted to like second team defensive tackle and he he's played well and and Jason Anya slides over back to the nose, then Tyson Ford might end up playing a little bit more. Um, you also mm-hmm. have some other options, including just playing Riley Mills more. Um, you've got some, you know, freshmen like Arnold Muke, Armel Mukum. You could slide somebody from the defensive end, from the field end group, and slide them inside a little bit. So there's there's some different options there, but. Yeah, maybe um, maybe you move Nana Osafa Mensa in for a couple of defensive tackle reps and get yeah. Javante Jean Baptiste on the field with him at the same time. That's another thing you could do, right? To, sp- to spell Mills, right? And we're also going to see some of that. I th- my sense is on in their nickel and dime packages or the Aztec package, I should say. Um, we may see defensive ends in, playing in their interior sometimes, anyways. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with it this week, but that's kind of our take on where that might be going. Um, and then there were some other, um, adjustments that I thought were interesting, um, adjusting back to the Eastern time zone, which Tyler is doing right now. It seems like he's doing pretty well. I'm the one that's sipping on caffeine here. Um, so can you talk about what? Boy, I almost asked a really bad question. Talk about the uh, <laughs> the. Uh, what do you think Marcus Freeman's going to do? What did he share with us today about normalizing the schedule? And 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 then there's a permanent change as well involved in that. Yeah, um, you are not the only one drinking caffeine right now. I don't know if you noticed when I was drinking earlier. There is caffeine in that beverage that I was. Okay. Uh, so we, we are the same there. Um, but I do think that the, the adjustment is real. I mean, I, I am feeling that. Um, and I, Marcus Freeman talked about how usually that second night of sleep is what ends up getting you back on schedule. And I think, I, I guess I'm hopeful for myself that I, I feel that way uh, too, because I was rewatching the game and I was fighting back, uh, trying to fall asleep before we got started here. Uh, so that is definitely something that, Notre Dame is going to have to figure out how to deal with what what Notre Dame decided to do was give the team a break on Sunday, um, not have them practice at all. Um, and then on Monday, today, was just watching film, going to a meeting and have, having what Marcus Freeman called a jog through. So just a light practice of going through things and going over some stuff more mental than physical in, in what they're doing. And then getting back out there with more physically demanding practices on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Um, and so I, I think that makes sense. Uh, as for the way they're planning their weeks throughout the rest of the season, um, Marcus Freeman talked about no longer practicing on Sundays, which is something they did last year um, and wants to give those guys a break on Sunday. I always thought it was a little strange that they were practicing on Sundays. Um, and whenever something changes and then the season doesn't necessarily go the way you want it to, it's like, well, why did we do that? It was that actually working. Um, and Marcus Freeman said, well, some players liked it, some didn't like it, um, but he wanted to give the guys a chance to catch up physically and, and, and academically on Sundays 
um, because he knows like Monday isn't necessarily an easy day when you're a student at Notre Dame. Um, so he doesn't want to um, load them up too much on Sunday because they need some time to recover for all that. So what, what did you think about uh, the schedule switches uh, for Marcus Freeman? I like that they're putting that much thought into it and that they do, again, kind of lean into sports science when they're doing that. And that's been kind of a theme this whole off season, uh, even with the travel to Ireland and getting ready for Navy and how physical the practices were, how they dealt with the um, weather and so forth. But in this particular instance, the one thing that really kind of struck me that I thought was very prudent on his part is just because something works at another place you've been doesn't mean it'll work at Notre Dame. And I thought that was really smart to kind of look at Notre Dame as being a unique situation. I remember, for example, Tyrone Willingham was pretty successful at Stanford. And you think, well, gosh, Stanford is a similar institution to Notre Dame. But bringing that whole Stanford blueprint and plugging into Notre Dame was a disaster. Uh, there were a lot of things unique to Notre Dame that were different than Stanford, including the size of the spotlight and the heat of the spotlight. But uh, so I really like hearing that comment. You know, as far as the Sunday Monday thing, as he described it, that seemed to make sense. And then again, not uh, maybe going as hard in practice this week, maybe shaving a period off here, not being as physical early in the week as they normally are just to give the players a chance to kind of get their legs back under them. You know, I keep looking back to the 2012 game. That's our reference point with this. Mm-hmm. When there was a team that a Notre Dame team that played for the national title that went over to Ireland, beat Navy by 40, came home and almost lost to Purdue. And it wasn't a very good Purdue team. And so, I like that there's a lot more thought. I don't know that Brian Kelly at that point was putting the thought into, okay, what's this going to be like coming back from Ireland? Nor nor did he have the experience of doing it anywhere else. But um, so I like, I like these moves. The the other thing that took some adjustment and I wrote about this in my notebook that was just posted before we went on the air (laughs) was kind of adjusting out of the Navy game. And really in the last few years, it hasn't been a problem, but at one point it really was for Brian Kelly. And and it's not just Navy, it's all triple option teams. So after the 2017 season, Tyler, they were five and six coming out of the Navy game. Only two of those games were against ranked opponents. And Notre Dame was the higher ranked team in both of those games. And they lost them both by a whole bunch of points. And of the teams of the five wins they had, they only won two of those by double digits. So it was a real problem. Uh, But it seems like in Brian Kelly's last three times playing the triple option, he did a much better job of adjusting out of that today or out of that, not today, but out (laughs) of that in those games. There's the caffeine. And then uh, Marcus talked about, you know, they had a, uh, 44 point blow at Boston College after barely escaping Navy last year. And so they did a good job. And so I'm not sure if you wanted to share what Marcus kind of said was the key for him. Yeah. I mean, he sort of felt like they were able, especially this year, able to 
do a lot of practice against non – what he, right. what he said, normal offenses or do normal defensive practice in, in the preseason um, while preparing for Navy. And also because Navy did some other different things. I think, I mean, we saw one, there was one instance where we saw Notre Dame practicing in the first five periods and they were, it was ones versus ones, Notre Dame's one versus uh, Notre Dame's offensive ones versus Notre Dame's defensive ones. But it, my sense was that they were actually running some of the things that they thought Navy might do with some of the quick passing game. Um, and it was just a shotgun offense that you wouldn't necessarily know that Notre Dame was running something different. Um, but it looked like some of those plays that they could prepare for, for Navy, but it would also have some value throughout the rest of the season as well, because you're going to have other teams are going to throw quick passes. Like that's not going to be original sp- specific to Navy. Um, so they were able to do a lot of that and keep that as part of the the focus throughout the preseason. And that, I think that's one of the advantages of playing Navy at the beginning of the season that you have, that you have, you don't have to dedicate the entire preseason to it, but you can sort of include it throughout the whole off season um, and then be also prepared for it. Um, and, and also do a lot of your traditional preparation of the, of the preseason. So I think that is a positive. I, I, I know you've mentioned the Purdue game, um, from 2012, uh, last year, Notre Dame, or from 2012, where they almost lost to Purdue after coming back from Ireland. Maybe that was just the 2012 team. I mean, Notre Dame almost lost a lot of games that year, whether it was BYU or Stanford. And um, But they also had some blowouts. I mean, they routed Miami. They sure, beat, but they Pittsburgh, beat, they should have beat Pittsburgh. Like, that they, wasn't that. They beat Michigan State the week after Purdue, a top 10-ranked Michigan State team on right. the road 20-3. to I mean, they weren't a prolific offensive team, so a lot of those games were closer just because their offense was the was the uh, spare tire on that car. You know, uh, yeah. one of those bike-looking tires that was the offense that year. But uh, but yeah, but I think the other thing that he said today, Tyler, that was really interesting, and this is something they did last year. I I take it from what he said against Boston College was not overcomplicating the defensive game plan in that first re-entry game right. yep. back. And I thought that was pretty smart that, you know, you're you're not going to have dial up a lot of exotic schematic things this week. Mm-hmm. Let's just, you know, he's like, let's just play fast. Let our great players play great. Then I think you can add those things back in. I think those are some of the things you'll want to use against North Carolina State in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's important that they're playing Tennessee State at I, I'd have I have to imagine if you had the control of your schedule. Notre Dame did have some control of the schedule. That if you're not, if you're if you're going to play a game when you come back, then don't put yourself in a position to be a tough game. Don't don't schedule a Purdue the next week. Schedule Tennessee State um, because that that'll give you an opportunity to have an easier uh, transition back to your schedule. Um, and I think that 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 should be something that allows Notre Dame to to do this this coming week. Um, and and we keep mentioning Tennessee State as if they're Bishop Sycamore. They're not, you know, they're not that bad. They're a legitimate school. They were four and seven last year. They have a really good coach. They have some good players. But again, this isn't playing a power five school right after uh playing Navy. Right. So do we want to get to some questions now? Yeah, let's do that. And uh thank you, Jay Grizz and Michael Parks, for joining us. Uh we appreciate the the reminder for Michael Parks to hit the like button. We we want need all the likes we can get. Um, it's a, it, it is a popularity contest a little bit here on YouTube. So thank you for thank you for the reminders. Um, let's get to some of the questions that were submitted. Jim asked, 
Um, Jim mentions that he's awaiting the hurricane in Florida, so hopefully Jim can stay safe this week. Uh, do you think that Deion Colsey should get more snaps? Well, considering he got seven, yes. Considering that he kind of shares a position with Jaden Thomas, unless they start moving Jaden around the formation, it, it's difficult. But yeah, I mean, he I think he earned it with his performance in the game against Navy to, to get some more looks, maybe get a more equitable distribution. And again, if you're not getting... You know, Notre Dame got one catch out of the field receiver spot, and that was from Rico Flores later in the game. Uh, Tobias didn't have any. Now, you got to get him on track because he's a big key to your offense. But I could see uh, one or the two of those guys maybe taking some reps at that field receiver position and giving Dion a little bit more opportunities. He looked really good, and, and honestly, he had some moments that we saw in practice not – you know, every day and not always spectacular, but you said, oh, okay, zero is coming along. Yeah. I think cons consistency is something you need to see. And he his, he's when given the opportunities in games, he seems to have made plays. Um, and so that is certainly promising. I think like you mentioned, moving Jaden Thomas around is possible. Like what if you put Jaden Thomas to, to the wide side sometimes. And I think you can even put Jane Thomas in the slot, but obviously the problem there is, well, <laughs> you got Chris Tyree and Jaden Greathouse who are, who are uh, arguing for playing time there and uh, uh, rightfully so. So I think uh, this is a problem that Notre Dame doesn't always have is having too many receivers that deserve playing time. Um, and so obviously it's probably too early to say that, but you like what you see from some of those guys. You want to see probably some more from Tobias Merriweather Um and that that should get Notre Dame headed back in uh, a good direction with that passing game. We almost we also may see some four whiteout formations once Notre Dame gets to teams that don't do all out blitzes as much as Navy does. They they may do a little bit more with the four wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, if if Deion Colsey can show that he has a rapport with Sam Hartman, Sam Hartman might be like, "Hey, get, get Colsey out here! I want to want to keep throwing the ball to him." As long, if it's someone that 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 Sam Hartman trusts, I, I imagine the playing time will continue to come their way. All right, question from Bob Alvey. I get it was the Navy game, but I already hate the running clock after the first after a first down. If you enjoy watching college football, why would you ever want to shorten the game? I don't get it. Well, maybe I do. Money. I'm I'm not sure it translates into money as much as they wanted to keep those time slots, the integrity of the three hour, three and a half hour time slots. Um, I don't have. I mean, now that we don't have newspaper deadlines, I don't have a huge strong opinion on that. I'll, I'll listen <laughs> to your opinion, Bob. You know, we didn't see a huge difference in a very small sample size in week zero. I think. It went from an average of um, three hours and 27 minutes from last year's games to three hours and 24 minutes in the seven games that were played in week zero. Now, right. here's the difference. Every one of the games except Notre Dame's went 315 or longer. Notre Dame's was two hours and 50 minutes. So yeah. that was by far the shortest. I'd like to... I'd like to kind of let this play out a little bit before I come up with a strong opinion. You know, you always think if you're shorting the game, you're also taking, um, making the case that maybe you won't 
have as many records broken and things like that because you tend not to have as many plays. Both Notre Dame and Navy were in the 50s. Now, again, I'd, I'd like to see some more games before I really come down on one side or the other. Yeah, I mean, a Navy, a Navy game is always or should normally be shorter just because of the way they run the offense and they're not throwing the ball as much. And then Notre Dame was running the ball plenty and also wasn't throwing many incomplete passes. Um, right. So that's, that prevents the <laughs> clock from stopping. There uh, were seven so. incomplete passes between the two teams. <laughs> yeah, so that's gonna that that probably contributed more to the the, the time of the game than uh, the lack of stopping the clock to to set the change on first downs. Um, I, I think my understanding is like the adjustment was only going to cut a few plays off per half, and so I, I don't think it's going to be that significant. But it definitely does change things, and something you have to monitor and keep track of. But I think it, one way I think it could be harder is like to make those comebacks in the second half. Um, if you're, if you're trailing uh, and it's not the final two minutes yet, you're not going to be able to get those, those easy clock stoppages and keep, keep running your offense. So I think that may um, be something that we see. Maybe it's more difficult to make last minute comebacks um, in college football or maybe more than last minute, fourth quarter comebacks. If the, if the margin is, is significant. So uh, those are certainly things to keep in mind, but I don't want to overreact after a one game sample size of that for, for Notre Dame. All right. Next one, Eric Swope. When was the last time in a home opener that the Irish had one or zero penalties? Can the Irish repeat a high level of mental discipline again this weekend? I'm not sure when the last time they had one or zero penalties, I did not look that up. Tyler, do you know? No, I don't have that. I don't have that info. No. Um, so we'll have to look that up, Eric, and I'll try to have that for later in the week. But, I mean, it's very interesting because Navy is usually first, second, or third in the country in fewest penalties mm-hmm. for Notre Dame to have fewer. The only penalty was a hold. Uh, only only penalty that was flagged on Notre Dame was a hold on Mitchell Evans in the first half. Yep. Uh, so that is amazing. And so we'll have to see if they – keep that discipline this week. Um, but certainly that was off to a good start. So, uh, but again, I promise Eric, I will try to look that up. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember seeing that, seeing anyone with that information and I had not looked it up yet, but yeah, we'll try to see if we can track that information down. Another question from Eric expecting a huge offensive opportunity on Saturday, which Irish player would benefit the most in terms of positive opportunities. I say Tobias Merriweather needs catches. Why don't you answer that first, and I'll try to think of uh, my answer. Yeah, I mean, I think it, 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 at least when we're talking about the offense, continuing to get reps for those running backs, get Jadarian Price some more opportunities, get Jemiah, Jeremiah Love some more opportunities. Um, I think that th- they just need game reps. Um, th- so those are things that I think would help. Obviously, Tobias Merriweather, I think just for the confidence of of being able to produce other than his one catch last year, getting him, continuing to get him some more opportunities um, would be positive. I'd like to see the tight ends get some work in the passing yeah. game uh, to to help those guys um, get some confidence and, and some momentum. Uh, so that's offensively. Defensively, I, I think that there's a number of guys that you want to just continue to see more action for. Jalen Sneed is someone that comes to mind. Uh, Thomas Harper is someone that comes to mind, especially because he wasn't asked to play much as a nickelback against Navy. Um, so I think there's a number of guys um, and uh, up front on defense, get some guys getting more pass rep, rush opportunities, especially when you're going to have a lead 
you should be able to get a lot of pass rush opportunities um, there to to helpfully uh, gain some confidence as pass rushers. Yeah, the tight end thing was interesting. I'm not sure how many of you read my um, analysis on Sunday, but for the first time in six seasons, Notre Dame didn't have a tight end catch a pass, and none of them were targeted in the game. So uh, it, it's interesting because the the 66-game streak at the other end of it, right. when Notre Dame got zero, it was also against Navy. So it may be something that Navy does. And, and they almost ended it during the streak, too. There was a one-catch game where they held Notre Dame's top tight ends, Cole Komet and Tommy Tremble, catchless. But the uh, kid up at Boston College, uh, George Takis, George Takis, Got sneaked out one reception in that 2019 game. Uh, but, but you know, I think the tight ends are just too talented not to be involved in this offense. And I think Tyler did a good job of uh, everybody else. I, I think we may see the young linebackers actually playing linebacker in this game, Drake Bowen sure. yeah. and uh, Jaden Osbury. There weren't those opportunities for them. They did play special teams, so they – made their Notre Dame debut, but they didn't. So those are maybe a couple of the other guys. All right. Uh, let's get to this question from Jay Grizz. I know it's Navy, but were you more surprised by how well the defense played or how in sync, in sync and efficient Sam Hartman and the rest of the offense was? I still um, would be more surprised by the defense just given – the unknowns about the Navy offense, that there was a new offensive coordinator, that he had some different ideas about how to express that offense, and that they were so effective in playing that offense that Navy coach Brian Newberry said, you know what, we just kind of abandoned that concept of throwing as much as we wanted to and thought, let's just hone our triple option and use the rest of the game for that, which is what they did. So definitely the defense for me yeah I think it's tough I just don't know how bad this Navy team is like are they as bad as Notre Dame made them look I think they might be pretty bad <laughs> I don't know that they're very good they did have some missed opportunities at least on offense where like that fourth down they should have been able to complete that that pass they had two guys one defending basically the other receiver that should have been a fourth down conversion um and there were some opportunities in the passing game that I think Navy could have converted on, um, but just wasn't able to do that. But obviously that's, that's what you get for being Navy, like that you're not going to be uh, always efficient in the passing game when you've spent so much time being a triple option offense. Um, it reminded so me of when my kids and my grandkids were playing T-ball where everybody runs <laughs> for the ball. <laughs> yeah. They're so not used to being open and getting passes that they all want to go try and catch it at the same time. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think the defense was probably more surprising to me. Sam Hartman was what we thought he would be, even though we didn't always see that at times in practices when it was in one-on-one -on -one situations um, because Notre Dame's offense, even going back to the spring and sometimes in the, in preseason camp, had had some inconsistencies there. And so to see it all come together in, in as efficient as a manner of it was is impressive. Um, but I think we all sort of felt like it would get there eventually. And, and it was just wanting to see it, it sort of come all together. And then it, it really did um, on Saturday in Dublin with, with the offense clicking both with the running game and passing attack. 
All right. We still got a couple more questions. Uh, Len asks, Andre Gestime seems to keep away, keep the ball away from his body. Does the team run drills to correct this? They do. Um, one of the first things they do once they're done with stretching and Marcus now with his take a knee speeches, which sometimes get a little bit salty, <laughs> they go right into ball security drills for the um, running backs and wide receivers. So there's drills where the defensive guys are working hard to strip the ball. And there's uh, that same drill teaches the running backs and the uh, wideouts to hold on to it. And then when they break down into their positions, they also do a lot of ball security stuff as well. So it it's done. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's something Audric's got to get out of his game. You know, he had three lost fumbles last year, and that's a lot. If you consider that from 2015, the 2015 Boston College game, after that game until the 2019 Virginia Tech game, Notre Dame had zero fumbles lost from its running backs, and that was over 1,200 carries. Now, they had fumbles, but they didn't have fumbles lost. This one Saturday wasn't lost either. It bounced out of bounds, or Mitchell Evans kind of pushed it out of bounds. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, he was stripped. I mean, um, I can't remember the kid's name. Was it Dewan Lane? Is that what his first name was? Uh, but, no, that's that's his brother who's the who's a high okay. school player who's committed okay. to go to Penn State that Notre Dame wanted. I think his brother's name's like, I think it might be Rayon, I think is how it's Rayon, Rayon, Rayon Lane. Rayon Lane stripped him. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, he's definitely got to work on ball security. He paid the price, stood on the sideline. Marcus Freeman talked at length about why that happened that you have to play to a standard and then how well Audric handled that. Yeah. And I, I know Dylan McCullough has all sort of like gadgets that he likes to use too. To sort of yeah. like, I think, uh, I think one's like a, a PVC pipe with a, like a punch, uh, a boxing glove on it to like knock the ball out. Um, I can't remember some of the other things. I think there's some things that he can like pull the ball. Um, and there's all, all kinds of different drills that they have. Um, but obviously you gotta, you gotta make sure you're continuing to take those fundamentals and techniques into the game. And uh, that's, that's why he was benched, which is funny, Eric, the question you asked today was pretty much the same question. I asked Marcus Freeman immediately after the game uh, on Saturday about what, if Audrick Estime was pulled because of his fumble um, and uh, Marcus Freeman after the game said he hadn't talked to Dylan McCullough about it, but he has since talked to Dylan McCullough today uh, or over the weekend and did say that that was why um, he was pulled and, and Notre Dame's uh, rotation of running backs were given some more opportunities um, because Audrey Gestime had a, had a fumble um, in the first half there. Uh, and that's something that it's funny because Audrey Gestime said last year, I think it was after that first fumble, he said he'd never fumbled in his life before, which I don't know. Seems like maybe he was uh, fibbing a little bit because that, that seems pretty extreme, um, and he hasn't necessarily held up to that yet. Uh, so he's he's got to get that got to get that fixed because that that can be an issue, and especially if he wants to be an NFL running back, uh, you're not going to be able to get away with get away with that. I mean, maybe he didn't fumble because people were afraid to collide with him in high school. <laughs> Those guys were littler in high school, um, but the best uh, fumble story I can remember is John Latner former Heisman Trophy winner, I was talking to him about it. I think he had multiple fumbles one year against Purdue. 
And Frank Leahy, his coach, made him take the ball to class. He had to carry the ball yeah. to all his classes. So that was – I don't think uh, Marcus Freeman and Dylan McCullough have gone to that extent yet. Well, well, maybe Christian Gray wants to get some carries because he he brought the football with him to the last time he came to interviews, and he said he always carries the football with him too. So <laughs> the, maybe there's some uh, – that, that could be passed along to the running backs as well. All right, let's get to this question from Ron Robert. Navy wasn't a threat to pass the ball around the field, but two of the three passes the throw should have been caught and the backfield looked beaten. Is this a cause for concern? I don't think so, given what Navy was doing. Some of its formation, some of its plays were so unfamiliar to what Notre Dame was had seen on film and then also practiced. And it wasn't a conventional Notre Dame defense. I, you know, there were times they only had one cornerback on the field. At least they started only with one. And again, your thoughts still are more about, you know, trying to stop that triple option and being in run support. I think once they get against traditional offenses, we're not going to see that um, kind of thing. We saw it last year in the Navy game. <laughs> That and they caught them last year when they were coming back with the 19 to nothing second half. Yeah, but I, I would not be concerned now. If Tennessee State throws it over their heads, yes, come on the show and you can scold me. Yeah, I, I think the sort of the I mean, one was a fourth and one play, right? And I think Cam Hart seemed to be looking in the backfield and got a little bit uh caught by surprise there. Um, and I can't remember who the other player was. Um, I think it was Bertrand. That was yeah, Bert, chasing yeah. Bertrand was chasing the other guy because both of those receivers were open. Um, yeah. as, as Brian Newberry said after the game, one of them ran the wrong route. Um, I'm guessing it was the guy that came into the into this picture um, that, that was a wide receiver. But um, I, I don't know how they how they ended up messing that up so poorly. Um, but yeah, I, I, it is something to at least be discuss like hey why why did this happen what are we doing here what 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 do we what can we do to fix this but i yeah i mean i mean certainly other teams are going to do play action so you have to be able to to not get caught with your eyes in the backfield but i don't think the corners will be asked to 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 help in as many ways um against the run as as they were against navy so i think that um it shouldn't be as big of a concern but um you never want to dismiss anything uh when it comes to fixing a problem so you want to address that now before it becomes a bigger problem all right, Michael pa Michael Parks asks, how good do you have to be in that run under name running back room where you can't fumble one time? And I, I thought it was interesting because Marcus Freeman was saying the standard is the standard, um, and even if it's your top running back um, fumbling, you're gonna you're gonna get pulled. But I'm gonna guess that's not the same rule for Sam Hartman. Like if your quarterback well, he said that, but, <laughs> yeah, he but said Drew it. Fine fumbled, <laughs> lost three fumbles last year himself. <laughs> And I don't remember Steve Angeli going trotting in there because of that. Yeah, so I dare Marcus Freeman to pull Sam Hartman the first time he pulled as a turnover. I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, I think I, I think the message is well received, especially in that running back room because they have five guys that are ready to play, um, and that that I think that plays as big of a role as anything. Like you trust those other guys to go in there. Like, hey, if Audrick, if you can't get this done, we know these other guys can do it now. Um, I know Notre Dame is gaining confidence in Steve Angeli, but I don't know that the the gap between Audrick Estime and Jabron Payne is is much 
is much smaller than the gap between Sam Hartman and Steve Angeli. All right, that's all our questions. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about game plans and so forth. So let, let's start with Jared Parker, your impression of his play calling, and will we see more of the same or will we see some different things against Tennessee State, would you imagine? I think they'll probably keep it the same. I don't know that they're going to want to unveil more and more. I think as, as little as you can unveil as possible against teams that you feel like you don't need to throw some other things into the mix, I, I think that will probably be what we, we will see this week against Tennessee State. But it was interesting to see. I mean, some of the wrinkles, it, none of it was like crazy. I mean, just uh, some multiple tight end looks, and they, they used uh, – there was one – uh, they ran like a counterplay, for instance, where they had um, both Holden Stays and Jaden Thomas lined up behind the line of scrimmage, like in wing positions, almost like in a bunch with a tight end with Mitchell Evans over there. And they ran a counterplay with those guys essentially as lead blockers for Ajak Estime. Um, so that's not something you would necessarily expect, um, especially for a Sam Hartman offense. Like we saw Sam Hartman under center way more than he ever was at Wake Forest. Um, and to see Sam Hartman comfortable in that is is, is good to see. Um, and to give de- defenses more to think about, I think, will make Notre Dame's offense harder to prepare to play against. Um, the play calling, I thought, was good. Uh, it always helps when you convert third downs in the way they did, especially on that first drive. Um, I, what, the thing I think we all have to remember is, like, okay, when you run for 11 yards on third and 10, you're a genius. But if you – Gain two yards on third and ten uh, with a running play. Everyone's like, "What is he running the ball for? <laughs> what are we doing here?" So I think I think a lot of pl- the way we judge play calling is very um, results driven, and so the results were there for Notre Dame this week. Um, and the I, I like what I saw the the third down play call where there was the quick pass to Audrick Estimate that they knew that Navy was going to be aggressive, and they knew that the guy that was going to be manned up against Audrick Estimate was not going to be able to keep up with him. And so uh, Sam Hartman, as a poised quarterback, let the rush come to him, threw it over the rush, um, and, and gave Aldrich Estime an easy opportunity to pick up the third down. Um, so I, I think those are the things that um, I really liked about j- what Jared Parker was doing, um, getting guys different in, into the mix and using different guys. Sam Hartman makes you look like a play, good play caller, I think, when you're spreading the ball around the way he did. Um, so... I, I liked I liked what I saw from the play calling offensively. What about you, Eric? I did I did too, and it's easy to like it when everything goes well. When you <laughs> run for 191 yards yeah. against a team that was the number two rush defense in the country last year with nine starters back, and that you have as many touchdown passes as incompletions is is pretty impressive. I mean, it helps to have a 24 year old guy that's that is really good at playing quarterback, playing quarterback for you. I don't have a game system at my house, uh, thank goodness. Um, but one time my grandkids brought theirs over, and it was the only time because they fought over the controllers, and they looked exactly <laughs> the same to me, but one was much better at – had a better joystick or whatever it was. <laughs> and that's kind of what you have with Sam Hartman. It's a much better controller – yeah uh, i could see why jared parker would want to fight over that Uh, so but yeah i thought it was a really interesting game plan i think we'll see more innovations i think we'll see more tight end stuff 
And I think we'll see some interesting things with the running backs. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, and you rewatched the game. I don't know that we saw any two running back looks, right? I don't think so. I haven't finished the full rewatch yet, but I didn't see anything. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened late in the game. That would seem to be a weird time to Right. To, I mean, the, the snaps added up to 58, which was how many offensive plays there were. So unless they went empty on a play that I was, you know, getting a coffee or something, <laughs> um, you know, when it was 42 to three, I, you know, I would have missed that. So I don't think they ran much. And I do think they have two running back stuff in their playbook. So it'll be interesting to see how this, uh, but it was smooth. I mean, you didn't have the things that you thought you might get with a first time play caller, uh, you know, a false start or especially yeah, with the clock moving. So, yeah. And there weren't, there weren't a lot of like, hurry up. We got to snap the football. Like we're, we're waiting on the, like getting close to a delay of game. They didn't have that issue either. Um, right. I think there might've been one that Marcus Freeman called a timeout on. Um, but I think, I think overall they did a pretty good job of the operation. And that was something that when Marcus Freeman was asked, how did Jared Parker do as a play caller? He's like, well, Listen, the play calling is one thing, but I, I Marcus Freeman seemed more interested in like how everything was working. Was everyone was executing at a high level? Um, the operation was running smoothly. They're getting the play to the signalers. The signalers are getting it to Sam Hartman. They're able to make adjustments before the snap if needed, um, and everything sort of was running as they expected. So that that is definitely a good sign for Jared Parker um, in his play calling debut for Notre Dame. I think there's some value too to having Geno. Gadouli, the quarterback's coach on the sideline with Tommy Reese, it was the same person. So you right. couldn't be upstairs and downstairs. So I, I think there's some value in that. Let's flip over to the defense. Al Golden's uh, group held Navy to 169 total yards since 2010. That's the third fewest yards a Notre Dame, Notre Dame defense has given up in any game. And it wasn't too far away from the record in that period of time. Right. Uh, 162 is the fewest that they've given up since 2010. But as we move into Tennessee State, I would imagine, Tyler, we're going to see different personnel groups. We're going to see some of those niche packages, although not all out this week, uh, as they kind of adjust back into traditional. And they'd also like to hold some things back as surprises. Uh, so what are you expecting to see this week defensively from Al Golden? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll see a little bit more of the nickel stuff. I would be surprised if we see a lot of, like, the three safety stuff with the Aztec position on the field unless unless they feel a real need to get those guys out there and get some get some work in. I do think that would be a, a wrinkle that they probably don't want to show too much of. Um, I, I mean, if I'm being frank, I, I, I they probably don't love that Antonio Carter is like, yeah, this is what we call it. It's the, it's the Aztec position, and me and DJ Brown play it. We like to get close to line of scrimmage. Um so I think that they'll probably try to keep that under wraps a little bit um, against Tennessee State. But I do think we'll see some more nickel. We'll see Thomas Harper out there, get some more opportunities. Um, and obviously, with if the game goes as we pl- as we expect, that even those those backup guys will get some reps um, out there with with the defense. But like you mentioned earlier, the the linebackers. Um, playing maybe more traditional ways, Jalen Sneed maybe given some more opportunities to play a traditional linebacker role than um, than just some like niche uh, pass rushing opportunities in certain spots. Um, so I, I think that those are probably some of the defensive tweaks that we may see coming into the game. What about you, Eric? Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, we'll see a little bit more of the package thing 
more traditional more traditional fronts and so forth, more traditional uh, roles. We're not going to see and, Jack Kaiser line up at cor- cornerback. <laughs> yeah. Although it, it's going to be interesting to see how they use Jack Kaiser because one Maris Leafau played very well in that game. He got the defensive player of the game from Marcus Freeman. Mm-hmm. And I think Notre Dame's going to be in nickel more than they are in quote unquote base defense for most of the season, just based on the personnel they'll see. Right. So how, how does Jack Kaiser fit in? Do you rotate him in at both of those interior positions? Cause mm-hmm. he played well, he graded out. Well, I think he was the second highest rated defensive player in terms of his pro football focus rating uh, from that game. And he's consistently been, highly rated by them over the last couple of seasons. So mm-hmm. either he's paying off PFF or, <laughs> or he's really contributing and, and deserves a, a strong role. So it's going to be interesting. He's also, I mean, one of the things that he does, he doesn't have a lot of sacks, but he gets any on the incomplete pass where the two guys ran into each other. Kaiser was in the quarterback's face. I mean, right. if that guy had a little bit more time to throw, he might have been able to wait till one of them ran away. <laughs> but, but Kaiser was all over it. So, I mean, he's very good at causing pressure. So that, yeah. that's something I'd like to see. And I think we're going to see Antonio Carter play. He only played seven snaps. Yeah. Time. Yeah, and that's, when you're talking about a former cornerback uh, being ready to play against triple option, that's a lot to ask yeah. um, for him. So, uh yeah, that, that quarterback, I was going to mention that that Kaiser played too. He did pressure the guy. If he wasn't under pressure, he maybe sets his feet and throws it like on a line and so that the other guy doesn't have time to run into each other too. So <laughs> that play could have went a number of different ways if Jack Kaiser wasn't chasing the quarterback, um, even though it probably still should have been completed with, with Kaiser pressuring the quarterback. But, yeah, I think there's a lot of different mixing and matching there that Al Golden will have the ability to do, and it'll be – It'll be, uh, I think, a little bit of a challenge to figure out how do we get each of these guys in here? What's what's the best role for Jack Kaiser? What's the best role for Maris Leofau? Um, Because, yes, it is good to see Maris Leofau play great against the option, but what does he look like playing against normal normal offenses? I think the, the same way we're talking about um, the defense being able to plan to play against normal offenses, I think we have to sort of re- reimagine what it looks like when these guys are playing against something um, that – Ask maybe a little bit differently of their skill sets than than what it took to play well against Navy. All right, uh, I, got a, we, I got a okay. question here from Michael Parks. What did you think of Gino Gadouli in Saturday's game? Oh, I thought he looked good on the sidelines. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he is very good in practice at throwing the ball. He still can wing it. I, I mean, I think he's really good for Sam Hartman. I, I, I like that hire a lot when it happened. I like it more as it progresses. Um, and I think Sam Hartman likes it. I, I talked to Sam one-on-one earlier this summer and there was a point where he was concerned, you know, not that he was going to put his, re-put his name in the transfer portal, but he's like, what's happening? And then they were able to hire an offensive coordinator, the quarterbacks coach, the quarterbacks coach had to learn the offense along with Sam Hartman. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But, but I think, um, it's been a really good pairing, and I think given how much adjustment Sam had to make from a really different offense 
and playing in shotgun all the time, I think Gino's done a really good job with Sam. Yeah, I mean, if if we're judging Gino Gadulli on Sam Hartman's performance, I think yeah, you got to like what you, you, we saw out of him. I, I guess I wanted to use this question as an opportunity to talk about Steve Angeli because we did see Steve Angeli for one series. I think because Navy had such a long drive before that, it, it maybe limited his opportunities and limited what Notre Dame was going to ask Steve Angeli to do. Um, but it would you would sit, like to think that he should have some more opportunities again this Saturday against Tennessee State. What do you think uh, he'll be asked to do if given that opportunities this Saturday, Eric? Yeah, well, I mean, at least he threw his first collegiate pass. He had seven reps as as the number two quarterback for most of the year last season. He had six in Saturday's game. So right. um, I think that was smart to work him in. But, yeah, I think they would like to see him get in the game and like to see him run the offense instead of, just handing it to all those talented running backs. He'll still do plenty of that, but they like to see him throw to the freshman wide receivers and throw to maybe the freshman tight end, Cooper Flanagan, if he gets in this game. So yeah, I it's think, important to develop him. Yeah, that's that's what I would like to grade Gino Gaduli on. It's like, what does Steve Angeli's development look like? Because that's a huge part of next season. Obviously, Notre Dame fans hope it's not a big part of this season that Sam Hartman can be – what Sam Hartman is and, and not have to turn to the backup quarterback. Um, but if Notre Dame needs to know going into next season, if Steve Angeli can be their guy depend, to, to make a decision on whether or not they want to revisit the transfer portal. So I think that uh, a lot of what Gino Gadouli this season is doing that I think is important beyond just the Sam Hartman stuff is what, how he's, how he's developing Steve Angeli. So I'm, I'm, I'm uh, that's a storyline that I don't know that we're going to see a lot of, progress during the season it, the hope is that you get steve angeli out there to throw some more passes but obviously those are going to be smaller windows and they're going to have to judge steve angeli mostly on practice performances and what he what he's done in practice to get a sense of what he can do okay um so notre dame is playing tennessee state this weekend it's the first fcs school now obviously they've played teams even under the FCS level way back in the old <laughs> days when they were playing South Bend Apothecary. And, you know, they played some high schools way back in the day. Uh, but, you know, since there's been modern Division One football and you've had S FCS and FBS, this will be the first one. And for the longest time, UCLA, USC, and Notre Dame were the three schools that never played those. And I think a lot of traditionalists didn't like to see an FCS team, and it was nothing against Tennessee State per se. I think somebody mentioned Tennessee State's band. Yes, I'm looking forward to the halftime show. Yes. Um, but uh, I think this game made a lot of sense on a lot of levels. And the fact that Eddie George and Marcus Freeman are friends, although I think there was some uh, coincidence in that being, but I think it's, it's cool that you got a former Heisman Trophy winner coming to coach his team in Notre Dame Stadium. And I think this if you're going to play an FCS team, this was the time to do it. Yeah, I, I actually went to Tennessee's Tennessee State football's website today looking to try and find out some more information about Tennessee State. And I didn't have a lot of luck. There wasn't, there wasn't yeah. anything new posted on there since early August. Um, I went to click to see the media guide, and it brought me to one from like 2018. Um, 
uh, Tennessee State was four and seven last year. I could tell you that they averaged a little over eighteen points per game, so not a high flying offense. Um, right. They were picked uh, fifth in the preseason conference poll of the, their conference is the Big South OVC Association. Uh, OVC, uh, I don't even know what OVC is. To be Ohio honest, Valley, Ohio, Ohio Valley Conference. Ohio Valley Conference. Okay, so maybe. So maybe they have maybe it's a combined conference now. I, I don't even know that much about them. I sound like a complete fool, but this is this is coming from the school um, in terms of the preseason poll. Um, it had six players listed on the preseason watch list. Draylon Ellis being the first one, who was a quarterback. Terrell Allen, James Green, uh, Kevon Pope, Josh Green. Uh, so watch out for the Greens um, and Bryce Phillips. And those are um, guys who had received some some conference uh, uh, recognition before. Terrell Allen being a defensive lineman, uh, James Green being a linebacker. Um, let me see. Uh, J- Josh Green being a safety. Uh, Bryce Phillips is a cornerback. Um, and Traylon Ellis, like I mentioned earlier, is a quarterback. So they weren't very good offensively last season. No. Um, more, uh, more accolades for their defensive players. So I don't expect this to be a very tough challenge, but the better part of Tennessee State will be defensively. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, like, this is why you schedule Tennessee State because you're coming back off of playing in Dublin and you want to have an easier game. And teams across college football do this on an annual basis. Notre Dame was one of the few that hadn't done it before um, and now has joined those ranks. I, I don't have that big of an issue with it. Um, I know if you are if you want competitive games to attend in early September, um, you might be feel a little bit differently about that, but I think you're just seeing Notre Dame sort of do what some of the other schools are doing. Um, and I, I don't, I don't necessarily blame them for that. As far as Tennessee state's statistical profile last year in the FCS, their highest ranking among offensive categories was 78. That's the high watermark. Yeah. That was in rushing offense. They were 104th in scoring offense, 96th in passing efficiency, 117th in sacks allowed, 110th and red zone offense. Um, defensively, much better, as Tyler alluded to. They were 50th in total defense, which is about halfway. 39th in scoring defense. They got some sacks and tackles for losses. Red zone defense, very good. Second in the country in the FCS. The thing they did best of anything was not turn the ball over and force turnovers. They were 14th in turnover margin. Uh, special teams. Eh, uh, band halftime show, awesome. But that's not going to help them win football games. But that's that's their their statistical profile. So, um, do we have any lightning round questions, or would we want to kind of finish think, up with the recruiting reset? I think that's it. We don't have any other questions um, from the group. Uh, recruiting reset. Um, obviously, make sure you are checking in on uh, Charleston Bowles' coverage. He was out to watch Tay Brown, Benny Powell, Notre Dame safety commit in the 2024 class this past weekend, and also saw his teammate Grant Bierman, who's a 2025 linebacker prospect who camped at Notre Dame this summer. Um, Grant intends to be at the Tennessee State game this coming weekend. Um, and this this weekend will not be a huge visitor's weekend with Tennessee State being not exactly a high-profile game. It will be the first time that Logan Saldate, a wide receiver, commit um, we'll get on campus who flipped his commitment from Oregon state, um, during the summer. So that will be an important visit to get him on campus who uh, Logan himself has been pretty, 
uh, impressive on the football field so far this season. Um, all of Notre Dame's wide receiver commits have, have, have done pretty good. So um, Charleston is running through how the, how the commitments have been doing as well. So it, uh, it's been a bit of a slow time. We haven't had any like big news. We're still waiting on Gerby Lambert's decision. Um, if he's going to end up committing to Notre Dame, uh, the four-star offensive tackle and Davis Andrews um, is intending to get to the Ohio state game as we had covered earlier in the summer. He's one of the few remaining 2024 targets left. And uh, we'll see. I think Notre Dame's going to try to get some other big time guys on campus for that Ohio State game. Um, even like Caleb Beasley, who they're trying to commit from or flip from Tennessee. We'll see if they're still going to try to get Justin Scott on campus, who is committed to Ohio State. Um, but Notre Dame's doing some work behind the scenes with the season getting underway. I think they were certainly promoting the fact that they were in Ireland, promoting some of the scenes from Ireland. Um, all the Notre Dame fans making their trip over there because that's a pretty cool an impressive display you can put out there like, Hey, this is how serious people are about Notre Dame football. Look at this crowd at a game <laughs> across the ocean uh, away from Notre Dame. So um, I think that those are the things that the recruiting staff has been working on while the football staff is, is pounding away on game plans. And did you mention the new rivals 250 for the 2025 class? I did not. I did not. So uh, that is coming out this week today. The, the updated five stars were released. Um, and then the new Rivals 250 will be announced tomorrow. So we'll have something on where Notre Dame's commits are in that. Um, and then also highlighting some of the targets that Notre Dame's going after in that 2025 class and what Rivals thinks of them. Okay, so live chat from me on Wednesday. Football never sleeps. You just watched it. Uh, <laughs> place your bets Thursday. Uh, Post-game video about 10, 12 minutes on Saturday night. Um and lots of stories all throughout the week for you to read in our subscription special, actually rival subscription special, 60% off until midnight Eastern time tonight. Maybe it's central time, but I wouldn't chance that I, I'd go Eastern time. Unless you're having jet lag like Tyler, then you can take a chance. <laughs> no, don't take a chance. I'm not going to be awake at one, one o'clock central or Eastern time or, or so 12 p.m. Central time. So that, that, uh, that would rule me out. Please hit the like button, the subscribe button, and hit the notification bell. All those things help us bring you great content and keep us from having cramps during our broadcast. <laughs> That's right. You don't want to have those. All right, everyone, I hope you have uh, had a great weekend. Enjoy the Notre Dame victory and get ready for another good one this uh, weekend against Tennessee State. <laughs>